Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bullet Points. I'm this week's host, Ed Smith. I'm joined, as per usual, by Reed Makata. That's right. I'm a vampire. Thanks for trying to inject that intro with a little bit of colour, because I that was the most that was the blandest intro I think I've ever done. Well, I think the blandest way to introduce a bit of colour for a game about vampires is to just say I'm a vampire. It's nothing. It's it sucks. <laughs> well, we could have we could have changed one of the letters in bullet points to a Y. <laughs> Bill, that would have been, been, been pretty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would been pretty pretty bland, pretty blind. Uh, also joining as usual. She loves vampires, don't you? I do, actually. Yeah. I don't, uh, my my opinion is yet to be uh, laid out on vampire, but I like vampires. <laughs> I think it's really stupid, the name of this game. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really stupid. Uh, anyway, Astrid Budko, you're here. Yeah. As, as well. Hello. And, hello. And... We're also joined by our guest this week. He is a writer for publications like Unwinnable, Heterotopias, Pace, and of course, this month's edition of Bullet Points, Dan Fries. Hello. How are you I doing? I have a nice, yeah, I'm great. I have a nice, tall, cool glass of blood ready. <clears throat> it's going to be good. Are you one of those weirdos who puts ice cubes in your blood? <laughs> yeah, I think it uh, waters it down a little bit. Takes out the yeah. bite. Mm. I've got I've got a big long bendy straw and some umbrellas and um I have it with a chaser of uh creme de month. <laughs> <laughs> um Dan, you live in New York City, which is the setting for uh, a good vampire film, Vampire's Kiss with Nicolas Cage. It's also the setting for the television show The Nick that they apparently mm, took a lot there of you go. Medical yes. influence for this game from. What's the Nick? Ah, the Nick is a Cinemax drama yeah. uh, about a the Knickerbocker Hospital in New York City at the turn of the century. Right. Clive Owen plays a uh, doctor who is addicted to cocaine, and <coughs> uh, yeah, it's like a really really gross show. Um, <laughs> is Clive Owen doing an American accent? Uh, sort I of. I think he is, yeah. It's like a mid... I mean, it's a 19th century American accent, so sort of. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because over here, the Nick... Does anyone know what the Nick means in Britain? Mm. Isn't to Nick something to steal it? If if you Nick something, that means you've stolen it. And if you get thrown in the Nick, it means you've been thrown in prison. Oh, interesting. Well, actually, you've been... It's the, it's the jail cell at the police station in which you're being held overnight, so... Swad Nick is, like, Swad Police Station. If you live in somewhere called Swad, which I do. Anyway, uh, this week, we're talking about Don't Nod's Vam... I actually haven't said it out loud. Is it Vampire or Vampire or Vam... <coughs> I think it's just Vampire, honestly. It's I just Vampire. It's a silent Y. <laughs> Vamp- Vampirira. This week we're talking about Don't Nod's Vampire, which is a game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a game. And about? It's set in London in the 19th century? 
No. Early twentieth. Early twentieth. Nineteen eighteen, right? Oh yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 circa first world war. Okay, yeah, because he's he's a first world war doctor. It's all flooding back to me now. Mm. Uh, it's <laughs> a, how could a, you forget a Prussian rush? Vampire. Yeah, so it's set in London uh, just after the first world war. No. Uh, no, Close. Crimean. 1918. It's it's the very end of the First World War. But that's what I said. Just after the First World War. No, it's not after though. It's like it hasn't oh, ended it's yet. Jury. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. The yeah. dying days of the First World War. Ooh. And you play Dr. Jonathan Reed. Hey. Uh, <laughs> who? Um, what a name. I see. Yeah, sounds it's like it's a character. Such, such a, a fake fucking name. Fucking <laughs> E.L. James book. <laughs> to Jonathan Reed who uh, gets turned into a vampire and then has to navigate his way through the blood hunting action of Victorian London (laughs) I don't know why I find it's not even Victorian but I don't know it's Edwardian but I don't know why I don't know why I find vampire Vera so funny I don't know if I can host this episode because everything about this game seems to send me into a little giggle fit just his name is Dr. Jonathan Reed the fact he looks like fucking um, Father John Misty uh, the setting it all just makes me laugh for some reason anyway you play this doctor he's a doctor and he turns to a vampire and then the game follows his sort of moral quandary between do I try and stick to the Hippocratic Oath and not kill people, or do I uh, let myself be subsumed by my vampirism and drink blood like it's fucking uh, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Pip? <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, it's made by the same people who made Life is Strange and Remember Me, and I'm going to have to hand over to someone else now because uh, I can't talk about this game without laughing at how much I don't like it. Uh, Astrid, you go. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know where we start with uh, Vampire, because it's, um, it's not a very enjoyable game, I don't think. I think the person among us who's most positive would be Reed, and Reed, would you call this enjoyable? Not really. Okay. I think it's interesting, I don't think it's, it's, it's not, uh, you know, the, the fun score is a yeah the fun is is pretty low yeah it um, makes up for it in <laughs> it makes up for it in story and soundtrack and replayability but it fun, does have a nice fun soundtrack factor. um the they have sort of these like really aggressive dissonant like strings and stuff um but that that's that's about it i think yeah. there's a lot of combat that forces you into that is just I think I might have misunderstood how to fight people in this game because I kept running into the fact that there's like only one attack button technically, and I was like, "This is stupid." And then I realized that as you level, everybody in the game is like matching your level, so it doesn't really matter how high you level because you're going to run into guys that are like five levels above you anyway. So I think I was playing wrong because I wasn't using my my blood powers enough. And I was just like smashing guys with my <laughs> hacksaw or whatever. Yeah. And the the combat is extremely like it just feels like you're slapping like a hanging piece of meat. Like it's just these guys standing there and you're just whacking at them. And then you can stun them, but then the stun every time you stun them, sort of it's harder to stun them the next time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe there's some 
skeleton key to this that I was missing. Because I just thought it was tedious. What's what's that thing he says? Astrid, you wrote about it. That thing that he says every time he eats a rat. (laughs) 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 He says the same thing. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I should be doing this. Yeah, he has like three lines. Yeah, yeah. This is dis- this is despicable. That's right. This is I can't believe I'm doing this. I don't see. I'm gonna object to that because a the name Reed is a fine name, and I really identify with this guy walking around thinking to himself how despicable he is, named Reed with an I. There's nothing funny about it. Oh god, I'm really going to struggle this episode because this guy, the the conflict of the seriousness of tone. I'm trying to speak like a critic now for a, for a minute. The seriousness of tone of vampire <laughs> versus versus everything else about it. I, yeah. I find really really difficult to reconcile. Yeah. Just the image of this guy and the way that he like moves and stalks around and then picks up a rat. And <laughs> Oh God! This is this is dis- this is despicable. <laughs> How do you even get to the like main vein on a rat? Like <laughs> he's a transfusion expert. He knows that's true. Where rat veins are, can't find the vein. <sighs> that's not his voice. <laughs> that's not his voice, is it? Sorry. Do Sorry. um. Dan, what did you think of Vampire? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Get this we usually shit go to show on track. So I was really yeah, bummed. I was really bummed out by the combat. I felt like um, it's really close to being interesting. Um, I thought it's it's so snappy the way that it snaps uh, like enemies to you or you to enemies for yeah. each attack that you can't really use skill to get around the fact that you don't have. Uh, blood XP like you do have to sort of grind through all the conversational that's the other thing is that if you don't eat people to get extra XP which is sort of the like main gimmick of the game I guess um, then you have to grind through every possible conversation and hint and side mission in order to like get your XP up which is weird but it's also interesting that you're grinding by just chatting to people I think that's kind of funny yeah. <laughs> Every yeah. conversation. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I guess. Um, well, generally the game. Yeah, I. I really wished it could have been better. Good. Um, <laughs> it, it's yeah. Uh, I think there are a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. The I think the conversation stuff is interesting, in like a systemic. I don't know, man. It, yeah. As a, as a system, <laughs> but. In practice, it's, like, so fucking clunky. Mm Because you can, like, talk to people about stuff and, like, exhaust the trees and then go back and, like, the next tree, it will reference that same topic, but it's, like, you hadn't just talked about it. And it has, like, this hard... They'll do, like, a hard load when you select (laughs) certain conversation (laughs) options. And so it, like, dissolves, but it's the same scene. And he just starts talking... In like this really weird tone of voice, it's just bizarre. Yeah. It's like the L.A. Noir thing, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Where he's just shouting, and then he's <laughs> sensitive, and then he's screaming. <laughs> the the hint system, right, where you discover like these weird pieces of information about people, you can pick up items or find out from someone else. Yeah. Something that someone's going to be sensitive about. But <laughs> the result is like sometimes he'll ask this really probing question, and sometimes he'll be like, 
Dr. So-and-so, why do you have a mediocre <laughs> reputation amongst your colleagues? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I mean, Dan, you you mentioned, oh, sorry, there's that guy in the hospital who, like, is sick, like, forever. Like, he's just, like, oh, they're about, they don't know how to operate on me, and he'll just sit there and, like, recycle that line. I think probably until, (laughs) until you do something to the doctors or something, but, like. Yeah, he never, he never got the operation he so richly <laughs> deserved in mind like, his, <laughs> his whole like character arc is that he's 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 disappointed he's like blaming himself for the death of his wife and he's mm. like my kids have nobody but he's like at the hospital the entire 24 <laughs> <24/7. laughs> he's just there for like weeks yeah <laughs> and these doctors are willing to talk shit about each other but i can never make them be like yeah we should go maybe we yeah, should go right. help this dude out <laughs> It was a hospital where no one seems to be doing any work. It's just a lot of yeah. talking. And the, the thing you were just saying, I think, Dan, about how the conversation seems to me, it was like watching two actors in different improv- improvisation <laughs> workshops, <laughs> but in the same room. <laughs> so, yeah, Dr. Jonathan Reed would, would like scream something about, you know, I need to find uh, such and such. And the bartender would just go... Um, things haven't been the same around here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 fucking, it's fucking mess. Uh, I, yeah. I really struggled. I struggled with Vampire because I could not, for the life of me, take it seriously. And that was because of the presentation, because of some of the things we talked about already. Uh, yeah. Because of the, the London of Vampire, which feels mm. like uh, a, just like a really big Ikea or something. <laughs> where, the, yeah. you know, there's like ten guys and nothing else going on. No, it, the, the lack of things like convincing ambient noise and the fact that it just felt like it had a roof over its head all the time. And yeah. There's like 60 people also. Yeah. Like if you don't include yeah. the meat grinder enemy guys, there's just like 60 citizens in all of London. <laughs> just Yeah, just these irreconcilable sort of hypocrisies in the game of everyone's life matters enormously except for those you know 200 people who you (laughs) slaughter between conversations with people who run pubs um and the character of dr jonathan reed i i find i don't i can't actually explain it to anybody i'm i i feel like that's a shortcoming of mine as someone who's meant to be talking about this game in a critical way i can't quite put my finger on what it is that i find so invariably risible about Dr. Jonathan Reed. Everything about him makes me laugh. His haircut, his beard, the way that he reads rats. Um, and then, like, there's that scene... <laughs> Fuck me. I'm going to describe it. There's that scene early on when he's trying to do an operation, but he's also got, like, the bloodlust building. Oh, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and just... It felt like a, a comedy sketch. Oh, I like that. I thought that, that scene was, was really. I couldn't. I couldn't keep a straight face. I really. Couldn't. It was confusing to me because it seemed like <laughs> it was revealing that he wasn't actually a doctor or something. Because yeah. you're like, it's making you guess at the things that he should right. do, and then she's like, exactly. "Are you even?" And I was like, "Yeah, I am," but like, you're not letting me be. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? <laughs> I just kept in my head. I was like exchanging human blood for 
the sandwich that he's made for himself today. And he just like can't wait to get out of this operation. That's all he's thinking about is this like subway that he's got. And I really I really struggled with that. On on a serious point though, I'd like to, I've got a, a sort of thing I'd like to a, a spiel about this. What are you um, gonna start talking about the we should take the Spanish flu more seriously? <laughs> yeah, wash your hands. See you next week. Um, no, it's the the morality thing, the 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 big sort of yeah uh, morality. Yeah. I'm not going to say question, but system. Why? Over vamp- why? Why not question? Why? Because qu- oh, you mean what? Yeah, the why of the title. Is that definitely why the why is there? <laughs> oh yeah, that's sure why the. Why I read that they said that actually because oh, I was like, oh, it's probably a reference, and it's like no. It's I didn't. Yeah. I didn't put that together until I think Astrid pointed it out. I just thought that maybe the word vampire, as in correctly spelt, was trademarked or something. So they had to <laughs> just call it vampire. That is really like your choice. They give you the three little, and they're connected by the Y, and it's the Y from yeah. the title. Yeah. Oh, God. That's so clunky. <laughs> anyway, what, Dan, what did you think about. Uh, well, two things. One the central moral question of this game does Dr. Reed stay t- it's weird calling him that does he stay true to his hypocritical <laughs> oath or does he go around and eat people do you think A that was an interesting sort of premise and B do you think that the way it's presented is uh, sort of engaging is sort of in depth enough or did it feel the opposite a bit mechanical uh, sort of stoic video game-ish I think uh, overall it feels like Vampire wants to be sort of an immersive sim, but the only way that it has to go about it is by way of the adventure game. Um, And what I mean by that is that you have these boroughs that have a bunch of citizens that all have uh, sick or healthy stats, um, and they can get sicker and you can craft medicines to help them, but they they never die, they only make the uh, borough less stable, which means there are more enemies. Uh, and the other thing is that they never like, really interact with each other. Yes, if there are a bunch of sick people in a borough, more of them will get sick, but it doesn't. The, the sort of contagion is um, invisible systemically. You, you can't. There's no. People aren't adjacent. People aren't like touching each other. People aren't. You know, they're locked in their own little conversational rifts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this one scene that I like really like for this topic this like hippocratic oath thing which is when reed finds out that uh the guy who runs the hospital dr swansea did that experiment so like the whole reason that the the skulls are running around the whole reason that the uh the vampires have gotten totally out of hand um and the flu also is that dr swansea injected a patient with uh that woman vampire's blood mm-hmm and and he like it was it was bad and he did it wrong and he's too fascinated with vampires but Reed just turns around and shouts at him Dr. Swansea this is unethical and it's like god almighty it's like every moment of this game is about how like the rules break down when there's a war on and a flu on and when you're a vampire and for him to sort of to be like, I still have a very strong moral code. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit. It feels really weird. I mean, okay, 
so the thing <laughs> I'm scared of the three of you. I said it's it's uh said before I feel like I'm a cornered fox and you're a bunch of basset hounds mm-hmm. barking at me, baying for my blood. Um so we're ripping Reed apart, is that it's despicable. <laughs> um I I the thing I kinda because I agree with all of this, but the thing that kinda worked for me in this stuff is is the way it felt artificial was sort of I don't know I guess you're kind of either going to be in on it or not um, because the game to me felt like it was just like this like sort of like a diorama it was mm-hmm. just like this wind up clockwork world where you're just poking at these dolls and you know trying mm-hmm. to make you know change one thing about how they're doing stuff and then something else changes because everything feels like they don't feel like characters they feel like you know, sort of these like animatronic robots yeah. at a theme park that are just going to keep saying the same thing over and over until you unlock another dialogue option that unlocks a new dialogue option back with them. Yeah. But for me, that was kind of like it was kind of interesting in the way it, it it takes this thing where it's making you supposed to it's supposed to give you the feeling that you're sort of like the lord of the city now that you have this responsibility and everything. And then it becomes this thing where it's like the player is the only one who's actually like alive in this place. Um, I don't think that excuses it. I think that's part of what makes it so stupid is because it's so like just directly artificial seeming. And, you know, I I like where the plot ends up going in this. I think it's not a well-told story. I think it's an interesting story that isn't told particularly well. And then it kind of also falls apart with the... Like, the dialogue is just straight-up bad most of the time, so... I I don't know. So, like, those moral choice things, like, I agree, and I think, like, all three of you did a really good job talking about that in the articles. Like, they all touched on this this choice system in different ways, but to me it just kind of felt like it was... I don't know. Just, like, the whole city is supposed to be some, like, weird Rube Goldberg machine that you're walking around and playing with, and kind of messing with but I don't know see I I was thinking about this earlier on and I thought I was trying to work out what it was that I liked about Life is Strange or why Life is Strange worked on me and Vampire didn't and there's a few very simple reasons one I, I always seem to do this one two uh, firstly read what you were saying about the dialogue in Vampire I don't think the Vampire dialogue is anywhere near as sort of um sort of endearing and genuine as Life is Strange dialogue can sometimes well, be. Life is, Life is Strange is said in a high school, right? And I think that's part of... Yeah. Sorry. Well, that, that connects to the other thing that that um, distanced me from Vampire in regards to how the sort of morality system works. I think that everything in this game... You know, Dan, your example about that scene between the two Doctors... Everything in this game is sort of shot through the lens of the binary moral decision that Jonathan Reed has to make. Everything is is sort of channels in and out of should he or should he not kill. And that makes everything in the game feel very sort of functional and there's a sort of nepotism or a kind of reductivism because mm-hmm. none of the other characters are really allowed to sort of, you know, breathe and talk and none of the sort of setting is allowed to sort of exist beyond and and with exception to 
Jonathan Reed's moral quandary. You know, it's a very mm-hmm. sort of Reed-centric game, and that makes yeah. Well, that makes that makes the city and the other characters feel dead and uh, functional, and it also makes I, I think there's something sort of unendearing or like disendearing about the Reed character because. Mm. Um, I don't know quite how to phrase it, but but when you've got when you've got a world that is quite so patently constructed around serving and illustrating this character's inner quandary, that character cannot really feel genuine because our world doesn't really work like that or it doesn't work like that at all. You know, if you're having a moral quandary, it's not like everything in the world is in service to that. So he just he he felt like you know the sort of center artifice of a bigger artifice. Um, what what did you think though? Ed and Dan and Astrid about uh, I forget her name she's the lady something who sort of becomes his love interest oh, the, um, the vampire who wears pants yeah the pants part the lady yeah she's boring but I mean just in terms of I think there are like because I think what Ed's saying is absolutely true but I think there are a few not enough examples of these characters who kind of come in and and force their will uh, upon. I'm not going to. Let's call him John. But that, that's him John. Still, that still felt to me like <laughs> another inflection on on. I mean, I know he's the central character, but it just felt like what the game was trying to do was add another inflection, add another caveat, add another sort of curveball and and uh, incongru- incongruity onto his moral choice. Or like, everything in this game was either to simplify or complicate that central moral question. And as such, all felt very sort of mechanical. Not least of all, because, and I think this isn't just Vampire, it, it's. Uh, vampire to me, by the way, the, the reason I'm finding it so difficult to talk about is Vampire comes to me at the end of a, a litany of games like it, and at a period yeah. in my sort of relationship with games where I'm basically considering a divorce. So the things that are wrong with Vampire. <laughs> Vampire, vampire. Uh, the things that are wrong with vampire seem all the more sort of uh, detectable and staunch and strong because it, this might be, you know, the, one of the games that breaks the camel's back. Nevertheless, the problem I had with its morality system is that, or well, one of the problems is that, I, I think that the morality system is an attempt. Or these are these the. the concept of a morality system is an attempt by people making and writing video games generally to ingratiate games to us in the sense of like verisimilitude and and make us sort of understand that games can present us with um, moral scenarios and moral debacles that are akin to something that we might have to face in our real life i.e. video games can say something about reality but I I, so when I say I engage with Vampire and try to kind of agree to it on its own terms I, I really took that on board and I thought okay you know what what is not just Reed's moral question but the way it's presented what is that saying to me about moral questions that I have to come up against uh, regularly and the, the answer basically was it doesn't like, there was nothing so I, I think about like a moral question that I come up with uh, that I'm faced with on a regular basis and that might be in my job I, I have a, a student and I'm aware that this student has like a very difficult home life or is going through a very difficult personal situation at the moment. Uh, I'm also aware that they're 
not doing enough schoolwork and that they're falling behind in classes and that their grades aren't good enough and maybe they're even distracting other students. So the moral question becomes, you know, do, do I... Do you I, suck their blood or not? <laughs> That's, and this is what I'm getting at, right? So the moral question there is, you know, do I, do I tend to talk to them? Do I, do I take a sort of tender approach? Or do I, you know, be a bit more forceful? Do I pick between uh, trying to be understanding towards their personal situation? Or do I think about, okay, if I can make them work harder, will that improve their personal situation? If I'm going to talk to them about what's going on at home, is that just going to give them another excuse not to work? It's very, very, it's, it's complex. First of all, it's complex. It's not binary. Second of all, it's nothing so outrageous as uh, kill this guy or spare him in order to get more blood powers and or condemn this entire region of London to uh, decrepitude. And th the third thing is, not only are the moral questions that I come up against, and I imagine everybody comes, well, I have to imagine, that everyone comes up against in, in everyday life, a lot more sort of caveated and gentle and more to do with um, th doing the best thing at the time. The other thing is that the moral morality in real life isn't sort of decisive and final. You take a decision in Vampire, or you take a decision in games like it, like a Fallout or something like that, and that moral decision becomes gospel. That moral decision becomes set in stone. The thing that you've done, whether it was right or wrong, changes everything everywhere for everybody from then on. You know, like how at the end of a Fallout game you get that sort of FMV that recalls so every little moral decision you made or every significant moral moment in the game and tells you okay, either you picked the right thing and everyone went on another happy life, or you picked a wrong thing and everything went to shit. That's not how moral decisions function, I think, in day-to-day -day life. I might choose the wrong tact with that student and be gentle where I should have been firmer or be firm where I should have been gentle. But I'll see that student tomorrow, and I'll see that student the next day, and there's a sort of corrective process behind every moral decision that games, and especially Vampire, doesn't let you take. If you make a call in this game, if you make a moral call in this game, then everything for everyone changes indefinitely and irreversibly. And that no, that's not morality. I think morality is a sort of ongoing process, not just a case of making, you know, holistic binary decisions. That was a really long spiel, and yeah. that basically sums up everything I've got to say about this game for the rest of the episode. So everyone else... <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Ed. See you. Um, well, I was going to say, and I, I kind of want to throw this to Dan and Astrid because uh, Dr. Reed in the Edwardian period have been going on too much here. But like, I, I wonder if like the kind of stuff you're talking about is oh, just sorry, like... Sorry, I just got that. Fucking hell. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. You like that? Fine. That was, that was a fun one. Um, I wonder then too because like, I, I don't want to counter argue all sorts of stuff because I do generally agree with what you're saying there. I think it's also why something like Life is Strange works uh, better for the first couple episodes when it's like small stakes choices um, yeah. because it just and it's not, you know, the world is changing or a country or a city is changing well, actually maybe it is but that's the worst stuff in that game um, but I wonder like when you say that kind of thing, if that's like just an indictment of the idea of like moral choices in games in general the idea that you know maybe these are things that are can't be handled very well with player choice you know That's with why I, I tried to sort of uh, prefix what i was saying about vampires this is more to do with where i am generally with yeah. games you know the, the vampire is is 
um, a little unlucky in the sense that I'm playing it now. Yeah, so maybe I'll throw to Dan first um, because, well, both Dan and Astrid wrote quite a bit about this, you know, and, and I'm curious to hear, Dan, your thoughts on on how this stuff works and if there maybe if there are examples that you think work better or if it's just sort of like a problem in general that games are too kind of cold and robotic and whatever to deal with. So I, I wish I had a better look at the uh, underlying architecture of what's going on in Vampire's Moral Choice system. Um, there, it feels like pretty frequently there are those why decisions. Um, so not these like really big kill, spare, vampirize kind of deals at the end of sections, but these much smaller uh, mid-conversation, they only happen once kind of things. Um, and I think something like The Walking Dead does this really good job of being like, actually, this is pretty heavy, even if the question is, are you going to uh, like cut Clementine's hair or what? Like, it's not necessarily a big moral moment um but the walking dead has a really season one at least has a really strong sense of um how to make you think about what's going to stick with the the characters in the game Mm -hmm. and it does that thing that everybody sort of makes fun of but i think it's very effective uh where it says like clementine will remember that or so and so will remember that every time you have a conversation with someone um or every time you select something that's like sort of big and it's a little bit like the game sort of surprising you after the fact like after Mm -hmm. you've already made that choice and saying uh that was actually a big choice you know i know you weren't thinking about that but that was a big choice um whereas vampire sort of presents you this one time uh why decision uh and says before you make it like this is going to be a decision you can only make once it's a big deal it's not gonna it's gonna affect something but we can't tell you what um yeah i think uh part of that is the walking dead does not have repeated dialogue no it does doesn't it but not not in the yeah it's it's more like the story is just going to keep going in most cases yeah i'm sorry i just want to interject and cut across just for one moment I, i i feel like one of the goals of these morality systems is to imbue the people playing the game with a sense of responsibility towards their character, other characters, the story, right? Mm-hmm. And when when the games do, I think two things that maybe you just described there, Dan. One is uh, they they make these decisions final and conclusive and sort of irreversible. And two, they can either um, prelude allude to them by saying <clears throat> this is going to be a big choice, so be careful. Or they can kind of jump out on you and say, well, they're going to remember that. Oh, that was a choice that you should right. have thought about. I think what they do there is they actually take the responsibility away from the player because it, it, it becomes more something like a trick that the game has pulled on you. And it becomes something that, that, that the game has, has sort of shanghaied you with. You know, if, if, if you made a moral decision in the game and nobody said the game didn't say anything about it and then there mm-hmm. was you know, the avenue for you to, to sort of alter it and think about it again and sort of approach it and, and, and redress it, that would be you taking responsibility. But when there are these kinds of, you know, uh, cup and ball, is it in the left, right, or middle? And uh, whichever one you pick is you're stuck with. It becomes this sort of, this game of chance. It becomes this sort of, this Shanghai process. So I, I don't really feel responsible for the choices that I make in these games because I know that there is an element of the game makers trying to sort of fuck with me basically so I, I, I take quite a hands off approach 
uh, one thing is that I think in The Walking Dead, a lot of the decisions that you get told so-and-so will remember that aren't stored in any real way, or they're stored but not used at all. Um, And it really just does that to try and weight those. But I think the other thing that I want to draw a distinction between is that in the uh, real-life example you give about a student and in The Walking Dead, your goal as the character is laid out already like you are trying to take care of this community of people and the walking dead the sort of hierarchy of needs is you the community of people clementine and so how are you handling like these three different groups that have three different sets of needs whereas in vampire the character doesn't actually have any motivation built in like they're not really interested in in solidifying his hippocratic oath thing they're not really interested in saying he's this malicious whatever and so because you're not actually uh, the character has no sense of care for these people. You have to decide if you're going to be caring or malicious. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's interesting. I think what Ed's describing as how is the what is the best way to be caring is a much more interesting sort mm. of question. Um, that's a really, really that's nice so question. few of these games too. Yeah. I think yeah, the, the choice between are you going to be or not going to be caring is not very interesting because I think basically most people are going to be. Or if they're if they're not going to be, then they they're not going to be because they're just being mischievous with a video game, right, not because right. not because it's it's going to allude to something you know deep within their soul. Whereas, yeah, in what way are you going to be caring? I know I know that he is a, a consistent target of ridicule and rightly so, and and not just ridicule in a sort of frivolous sense, but you know well targeted criticism. But there is that scene. No, in David don't make Cage's us heavy rain. I'm going to do it yeah. when you know take, you have your your custody night with your son and you can choose you know are you gonna are you gonna give him the food that he wants to eat or the food that you ought to eat are you gonna let him stay up late or you know and, and spend some time with his dad or are you gonna make him do his homework blah, blah 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 and it's not a great scene it's not a you know fine example of writing or whatever but that is a scene where you are deciding in what way you're going to care for another character yeah. and I, I i i that scene is more interesting to me and it's, it's stuck with me more than uh, anything from vampire and i think vampire's version of this is when they let you decide if you're going to spare someone or turn them into a vampire um yeah yeah, it's it's much uh rougher it's a lot it's a lot less like detailed it's a lot less the definition is much lower but they do sort of try to introduce these these more complicated questions where like i don't know aloysius dawson is so gross that you want to kill him but the best thing for the people who live here is for you not to do that um yeah it's it doesn't really come close to that kind of caring and thinking about caring but I think it does um, I don't know introduce a, a layer of complexity that there that a, a lot of these sort of moral choice narratives lack I yeah I think something also worth talking about too is that I think vamp- vampire is pretty explicitly a game about violence from the very start you know and it's it's set you know, it's the thing that I kind of wrote about, and I think it, it bears out as the game goes on. I mean, you you realize that, like, essentially what you're fighting in the end of all of this is, like, this sort of amorphous kind of evil uh, uh, that's sort of, like, part of, of the British Isles itself mm. and was expressed through, like, William Marshall um, and all this stuff. And, I, th- you know, I think the fact that the game is, is saying here, like, we're... It's a game with a bunch of veterans from the First World War and uh, people who are making their living by sort of any means necessary. And 
um, all of these things. I, I think it's. I still agree with Ed. I'm more interested, typically, in in video games that try to have sort of a smaller focus because yeah. every so many video games are about big topics like violence and everything. But I think you know that's why you're going to get so many of these decisions that are based on murdering or not or you know those kind of things I think <clears throat> yeah um, yeah you, you, the moral choices you end up making in games like this are more to do with shaping the theme of the game and the story of the game they're less to do with shaping uh, your relationships with certain characters they're, they're, they're not really I, I feel like I'm being asked to make moral decisions that are going to kind of change how the plot of this game might be summarised on a Wikipedia page, not not that are going to make me have like genuine emotional conflict between me and another character. Let alone emotional conflict between me and another character that makes me think about something from you know uh, reality. One, Astrid, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm, one other point, finally, is <laughs> Reed. You were just talking about you know how how this game is um, uh, an indictment of you know British colonialism and, and uh, that that sort of um, the, the creeping evil of, I think, a certain kind of patriotism. I, I really love when you get like an outsider director, like uh, I think a John Slicinger, you know, who did Midnight Cowboy, or uh, Thomas Alfredson, who did, you know, the, the Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy movie in 2011. And they look at another country and they find something in it that, you know, the indigenous people never could perceive because they've been raised in it too long. And that was that was certainly true of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. He really captured a sort of uh, a, a type of like British personality and a British aesthetic that I think has you know escaped British directors for generations. This game did not feel to me like it was grasping something about sort of British hood that I wasn't already well, painfully aware of. Uh, yeah, it felt like a really a really simplistic. I'm going to say a really simplistic, like borderline kind of insulting take on that era of British history um, that, that really wasn't very elucidating to me at all. Well, I would say something that you know, I, I'm sympathetic to to you saying things like this does this game doesn't feel appropriately British in, in certain ways. Um, as someone who lives in a country that's never represented and whose literature and art often <laughs> has to, if it wants relevance, has to engage with other countries that have shaped our own culture and history uh, sometimes people who are affected by uh, another country say Britain um, are going to want to engage with how you know it, it's part of their history in a way too I think the French writing something that takes place during uh, the first world war and talking a lot about Britain um, you know the, the French obviously I think there's definitely a good enough story to talk about from the French perspective if you want to talk about empire and and uh, you know the dissolution of empire and everything but uh, setting this in Britain I think is kind of a strong thematic choice because Britain sort of was able to maintain that power um, in a grander scale than the French were um, but, I, but I think they understand they know things like so it may not feel like properly British to a British person, but something doesn't feel properly British, and I, I'm, I'm absolutely behind the premise of going after uh, that era of British history or Britain 
before and after that era. Uh, and I'm not really bothered so much about uh, like that one-to-one uh, recreation of a certain time period. Um, I just oh, I have my sort of conclusion before, but I, 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 I'm not like bothered by the premise. I'm not sort of oh, you know, how dare these people criticise my country? You know, that's, that's no, no, I didn't. It's just I. I don't think I, I don't think I felt anything that I've not felt before. I don't think I learned anything that I haven't learned before, and I, I thought it was just a very obvious comment. Is it similar to how um, Wolfenstein Two specifically is like a game from non-U.S. designers that says something like sort of like bluntly obvious about U.S. history but got, like, greeted like it was, you know, sort of, like, pulling the yeah. wool off yeah. everyone's eyes. This but it's like if, as st- people who, any student of history or just, like, I don't know, like, vaguely conscious American citizen, this is stuff that you would, like, understand about the history of this country and the relationship with the Nazi regime and civil rights movement and stuff, but because of this game sort of like sums it up in a, a sort of glitzy package. I don't think Vampire is quite doing the same thing. There's no like specific uh, sort of, there's no like Nazism equivalent that it's talking about, but it's sort it's of a also similar less, Sorry, I was just going to say it's not as like self-congratulatory too. I right, think that, that's true. It's more just the milieu of the game happens to be that era yeah so maybe that's not a good comparison at all I will say I did see a lot of sterling reviews about how much of a potent political comment uh, Wolfenstein 2 was from American writers you know well, that, that right which was sort of weird I feel like they're saying that because it, it helps make video games look better yeah that's I think there's a lot of stuff to draw in. I don't know. Well, it's um, also like a sort of... Oh, sorry. No, go on, Astro, after you. I was just going to say, like, that we don't have to get, like, too into the weeds of this here, but, like, you as a critic, like, validating that message reflects well on you as a person in yes. a weird way. Uh, I'm glad you said it, yeah. But we can move on. <laughs> no, I, that, that, I, I think that that, that, that that is certainly um, part of the dynamic as well. Yep. I also think that it's easier to sell a game set in Victorian London, which is very well charted yep. in things like Jekyll and Hyde and Sherlock Holmes and Assassin's Creed and The Order and yada, yada, yada. It's easier to sell a game set in Victorian London than it would be to set in early 20th century France. So the idea of kind of turning inward and reflecting on the nation from which this game originates um, is probably less financially auspicious than yeah, Britain. That's part of what I was... And that's a criticism, <coughs> by the way, that they've done it anyway. I'm not, I'm, not saying that, I'm not saying that therefore it's okay that they've done it. I'm saying that that's a bullshit reason for having done it, but that is probably one of the reasons why it's... Well, yeah, but you, you get to say that as someone who, if you wanted to write a, a you know, a work on a video game, you that was reflective of, of your, you know, nation, your your country, you could do so and have it sell. You know, um, no, 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 no. Yeah. no I couldn't. I, I'm well, very, hold on. The game, hold I, on. the game I'd want to make on my country would have nothing to do with 
um, the the Victorian or the Edwardian or the no, 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 no. era. No, but I'm saying if you if you set a game right now in modern London, you can sell that. Modern Paris, you could too. I think I think people would be more interested in London. Um, you know, I'm I'm just sympathetic to the idea that like I don't know you if if I wanted to tell a deeply Canadian story, I would have to do it through Americans or Brits. You know, mm, it's that's it's interesting. it's because and it's. It sure it is a, a form of cowardice, but it's also a form form of reality, especially the higher budget the art gets, right? The, the cowardice is not all on don't nod. You know what I mean? It's it's an industry wide cowardice. Well, yeah, I mean it's a it's a whole thing. You think of yeah. how many you know Canadian and uh, like Scandinavian uh, and Japanese. Well, the Japanese developers, I think, there are more games set in Japan. Um, mm-hmm. But you look at how big like the Canadian game industry is, and there are a few levels uh, set in Canada, and yeah. that's it. You know, um, because that stuff doesn't sell. Yeah. Well, we're getting a little industry minute here. <laughs> <laughs> but did you guys know that they wanted to set Vampire in America in the 1950s? That would have sucked. That was the initial concept. Oh, I think that would have been way better. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> and the I... reason they did that is because um, it, this was actually something that the Wolfenstein developers said too, which was that the 50s were like great. <laughs> and like everyone, it was like great for everybody and they wanted to like show the dark side of it, which is. Oh, oh Jesus. That explains a lot about Wolfenstein as well. Right? They didn't do yeah. their research, I don't think. Um, or maybe they did, and they were like, this wouldn't work. It came from the Wolfenstein people. The, the 50s I feel like they time. said something like that. I might have written about it. I'm not going to like go read my own piece. But <laughs> I thought there was some quote from them that was like sort of really blasé, considering what the game was. But... Well, I might start. I using, can't remember. I might start using reading my own piece as a euphemism for like masturbating. <laughs> I'm just going to go to the bathroom and read my own piece. Oh for, no! For sorry, sorry. What the Wolfenstein guy was? What he said was that America was founded on the idea of freedom, and like to have that be under totalitarian control was like a weird juxtaposition. Wow. Which like is maybe not as ignorant, but it's still pretty stupid. I mean, there's no. Whatever. No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm tired of. I already. I think Wolfenstein Two is a a bad game. So yeah, I'm sorry that I brought this. I just there's something similar about it to me. It's not like Vampire has been greeted like that, but just something about it. I don't know. But also, I was gonna say, going like way back to moral choice stuff, is that it feels like the choices in Vampire. There's really just one choice that you make repeatedly, mm. and that's. I think that is because what y'all are talking about, where the intent of the game is not so much to let you, you know, decide who Reed is specifically, so much as like what Reed does in this story. <laughs> Sorry, Doctor Jonathan or whatever we want to call him, Doctor John, DJ Reed. But it I just like starts. Dr. John. It just Sorry. feels like you keep you keep running into the same and it doesn't help that his characterization like Dan points out it's just so repetitive. It's like he doesn't acclimate to what the situation becomes as you make these decisions. Like he's always stuck on like that initial level of like, well, I don't like doing this, but do I have to? And like all these really basic 
boring choices. And I guess until the end, which I didn't play until because I stopped playing this game after like a while. But I know the ending is like, as usual, that's where they like spring all the big moments on you. Yeah, which is... But I, I've i always felt that there's something really crass about the way that games tout like morality as like a feature or like mm-hmm. these these yeah. sort of modeled systems of like being good or bad to people as like some kind of innovation and i know that there there is like actual technical stuff behind this and there is like a level of invention but just the idea that like hey here's a game where you can like choose to be good and like that's a rare thing i guess um even in a game like I always bring up The Witcher as, like, the good example of everything, but I do think The Witcher, it also has some of that stuff where, like, at the end, it does change everything, or I guess it it doesn't change everything, but there's, like, a very specific difference in the endings, um, depending on what you do during the game. I think the good part about it is that it, it sort of restricts it to what would happen with those characters in that world as opposed to like what the player wants mm. if that makes sense yeah i think that's absolutely yeah. right i think the way that you define it there is um crap <coughs> is spot on it makes me think of um you know like the game the neil strauss book about you know like pickup artists that's how i always feel about morality <laughs> yeah. systems and games it's, it's, it's sort of <laughs> well i mean you you see that when it like pretty directly i think when it gets it's like these same systems that are supposed to be applied to you know just like uh non-sexual relationships and then when they put them like in bioware games yeah, onto yeah. dating and stuff then it gets like super creepy because mm-hmm. yeah. you're like oh yeah this like computerized version of human intimacy does not work well then the then you also <laughs> Yeah, then you also get to see what games writers think romance looks like. And you just give people it is, stuff. It's pretty bleak. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep giving people stuff until you get to have sex with them. Yeah. And you tell you tell them what they want to hear. Right, you tell them the green option, and then you can fuck them. And then you... <laughs> the Sims where you just, like, spam gift, compliment, gift, compliment, gift, compliment, gift. Watch the bar go up and Yeah. There's, there's one uh, character interaction in this game. There's one character interaction in this game that, like, I think really uh, pointed to an issue in that system, I guess, for me, which is um, there's I forget the the rich woman whose son attempted suicide, and oh, yeah. she's really mad about the uh, ambulance driver and the nurse. Um, and the nurse said, uh, like, the nurse made her pay for a bed. Um, and so you basically are going back and forth between these three people, the mother, the rich, angry mother, um, the nurse, and the ambulance driver. And you can ask the nurse about charging people for beds, and you can talk to the mother about how that's bad, and you can there, and you can talk to the ambulance driver about how he has a gruff reputation. Um, but when I was playing, I really didn't want to didn't want to snitch on the nurse 
um, because this woman was super rich and, you know, I know that you shouldn't charge for a bed in a hospital, but like, she's kind of mean. Um, and so I, you know, went to the nurse and talked about it, but in order to actually like play through this whole arc, I had to exhaust all the conversation options, which means I had to both be kind of deceptive about it to the mother and then later also snitch on the nurse and then be kind of chill about it with the nurse and then also be mean to her about it. Instead of, like, actually choosing any way to interact with these people, I had to choose every way to interact with these people. Yes. Just to get the XP. Right. Yes, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, part of what I was thinking about, too, with, like, this being this, like, weird diorama thing. Like, it doesn't feel human. The stuff that I do like about this game, like, that's why I would still say I don't think it's a, a great game or anything. I think it's interesting. But, yeah, it's just nothing... It's so you know these little robots walking around and it's the same thing too like i made one dialogue choice and this is again a problem with the writing which i think is uh you know the prose and dialogue which i think is very bad um where there's the romanians uh the communists who have fled the war and are refugees in britain and they're treated poorly and they're like giving free medical care to people in uh, a poor neighborhood and then you find out that the sort of the like head nurse of these Romanian refugees um, has been blackmailing and, uh, a rich person, blah blah blah. Anyway, mm-hmm. who cares? It's too complicated. <laughs> but like, you make you have the choice at the end uh, when you've like caught her and like sort of got the confession to be like, okay, I'm gonna kill you, or I'm gonna like mesmerize you so you just kind of like stop blackmailing and we don't have to talk about this. Or I'm going to say, yeah, you were blackmailing her. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, this mesmerized thing seems pretty good. Like, I'm a vampire, you know? It's good, like, conflict avoidance. And then you do it, and then she, like, you go to sleep in your little vampire loft. And you find out the next day that she, like, I don't know, like, went crazy or something. And then everyone hates you. And it's, like, just an example of these games. And so I spent, like, a good, like, three hours being, like, no, I I believe what what this lady was doing. I want this to be reflected. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and so I spent all this time like going around and like trying to find if there was a way to fix it or something. And it was just so, like, I was playing this before it came out. If I'd been playing it after, it's like, you know, game facts hour of like how do I undo something by following <laughs> these recipe steps? And it's yeah. just so, yeah. I, it's just like what Dan was saying about like, is it's just not real it doesn't model anything about human relationships i yeah and i think one of the one of the big topics i wanted to talk about before i played the game was like this game's place and like vampire fiction generally and then after playing it i could not imagine anything i wanted to do less because it really I like watch some stuff and I have like three books about like gothics and like vampire movies and it just all felt like I don't know just useless like pointless to like apply this stuff to this game because it's not really interested in the ways that vampirism functions as a metaphor except and I think this is what Reed's piece does well um, tying it more broadly into the socio-political status of like Britain at the time 
but it doesn't have to be vampirism to do that, right? Like, there's already a flu in the game. There's already a flu in real life. Like, they sort of just overseas in the broth with this, could, genre, this yeah. genre stuff. It could have been about, like, a cop. Yeah, or a serial right? killer. It could have been any contagion, really, or, like, any uh, murderous thing. But um, there's just all the things that I really love about vampires as a subject and as a metaphor and as an allegory are just absent from this game it's not like playful it's not sexy it's not it's not gross it's not like um there's no none of that like despair at being either immortal or unable Uh, to be immortal well there's not despair there's like this is grumpiness (laughs) (laughs) there's petulance but there's no yeah, he's just sort of like... Uh, he wakes up every morning and goes, ugh, again. Yeah, there's none of like that sort of like very gothic, dismal romanticism about it. It's just sort of like... Yeah. He's like a smoker. It's like he has like a, a condition. Yeah, cigarette smoker or something. <laughs> like, it's like in my head being like, this This is despicable. I don't... I'm. That's... That's not it's very like good when, drama. Yeah, when he has to when he has to take a smoke break, he's like, I really need to quit. But... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Gets me XP. Um, <laughs> what have I become? Yeah. I, Astrid, I strongly agree. I also like looked into some vampire stuff and also was like, well, I guess I better watch the Nick if they're so interested in. <laughs> oh God, in, yeah. In, in that as an inspiration, and there's just the degree to which the Nick is like interested in social commentary, interested yep. in being the absolutely most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's um, horrifying that it's show. Deeply filthy. It doesn't ever let up it's like yeah. here's how these people were here's what they did to each other and like these are your characters yeah. like here you go <laughs> go for it um and yeah this is nobody gets this another thing about this game is that there's a whole hospital where they're supposedly bringing influenza patients in and out and there's epidemics all over the place literally nobody gets sick and dies there's no <laughs> like this sense of despair and hopelessness and the hospital being overrun and like losing money and being in trouble and like danger it's just not there yeah it's just totally it's a pretty it's an all right hospital it's like not over not not overpopulated you know yeah they've got like tents outside but it's not like there's ever more tents or less tents second floor is just empty it's very (laughs) spacious yeah (laughs) which actually you know fun fact i'm pretty sure the reason that it's spacious is that so all the NPCs have these walking paths, right? Partly so that you can uh. have to chase them and find them. Um, but I think the reason for the spaciousness is that if you mesmerize somebody and suck their blood, uh. it's important that yeah. nobody else see you do that. Yes. So the game builds all these like nooks and crannies into the <laughs> hospital where you can suck somebody's blood, but they can't then put hospital patients there. So right. They, yeah. Well, that was... Dr. Swansea designed the hospital specifically for vampires. <laughs> he was like, there needs to be a lot of room for blood sucking. <laughs> that's, that's true. It's an infection <laughs> explanation. This isn't like a big point, and it might be interesting to talk for the last thing more about like the how like antiseptic this game is for a game about like class struggle and yeah, you know <clears throat> mass casualties and influenza and. And, like, bodies in general, just, like, physical existence that perpetuates beyond its natural end. 
And uh, like I didn't early, get any of that. Early twentieth century <laughs> medicine, medicine, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking like that stack of books and Dan saying he watched the Nick. I don't know if anyone. Yeah. No, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't talk about this on this. I don't. What? Games games let you down again and again and again if you go into yeah. them caring. Is what I'll say because Astrid, you posted that picture of like your stack of vampire <laughs> books, and like I do that pretty often. Yeah, because... I know you're a big researcher when it comes to this stuff, and it's just like. <laughs> and I had a stack of like like four books I bought, I think, and like five library books, and I read I think three quarters of them before Far Cry Five, and Holy I think. Shit. And like a, I couldn't. I don't know. No one wants to read that kind of stuff anymore, I guess. And also. Like, that game was just like, nah. Yeah. Like, you're more interested in this subject than we are. Sorry. Yeah, it's like it's like when you realize that you did more research than they did to, like, develop this game. Yeah. yeah. Everybody on the team over the course of the entire development also read three quarters of nine books. <laughs> but they weren't about vampires or anything. No, they watched they watched they read the Harry Nick. Potter. They watched the Nick, they watched the other show, Casualty 1910 or whatever it is. Yeah. And they read like Carmilla and Dracula. And they were like, let's do it, guys. <laughs> we gotta but, get this thing shipped. But how is it though that like so like the same thing, like if you look at this and the reference point, obviously, for vampire stuff is always Dracula kind of like stands yeah. above it. And I think in this game too, because it's set in England and it's uh, you know, a few decades after Dracula. But, like, Dracula was written uh, late Victorian era, right? Mm-hmm. And somehow that book has more, like, sex and violence. <laughs> like, in, like, uh, just, like, you know, Victorian books have sex and violence, but it's all implied, right? But somehow mm-hmm. Dracula feels like it's it's kind of thicker and yeah. it's more suggestive than a lot of Victorian fiction. And somehow this game is just, like, there's uh, it's yeah. nothing. There's that. There's a one of the NPCs in Whitechapel is a prostitute who has no relationships. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And every time you walk by her, she shouts very loud in a very goofy Cockney accent <laughs> that she is both cheap and clean. Um, and it just doesn't like. That's yeah. kind of like the game. Yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking about um, from Hell, the the Alan Moore comic, um, and just like how. I think that does actually a similar thing as what Reed talks about with this game, which is tie in these events to like the larger project of like British imperialism and modernity. And it does it with Jack the Ripper, but there's um there's actually an entire chapter or I guess an issue when it first came out, an entire issue of that book where it's just Jack the Ripper like driving his coachman around London and, like, explaining how every piece of architecture and stuff fits into, like, his insane Masonic conspiracy. And it's, like, it becomes, like, boring halfway through, and then by the end of it, it's, like, deeply disturbing because it gives space to this guy to just explain his ideas, which I think we can assume some of those are Alan Moore's actual ideas and some of them are, like, things that he puts in this character's mouth. But just the way that that book bears out the weight of that history is really impressive. And again, like, I I don't know, can you expect 
a video game to do that? I don't know. We I certainly... Can ex- I can expect a video game to at least be... Like, video games are bad at at doing anything with sex other than just being like kind of like a 13 year old being like here's some boobs and butts look at them um but like violence you know you think they got yeah you think they yeah (laughs) yeah you think there could be some i mean i think probably the closest this game comes is there's like uh this catholic priest i think he's catholic Mm-hmm. Or no, maybe he's the Anglican one or something. Anyway, he's like in the hospital, and then later you find out he's gone because he's been yeah. given a transfusion. He becomes a vampire, but like one of those crappy vampires who is a cannibal. And then he like, it's maybe it's one of the only memorable scenes in this game is you like confront him about what's going on. You find him, and he's uh, sitting and eating his dinner, and he's asking if you want some, and he's eating you know people. Uh, and he's talking about how it's, you know, uh, it's transubstantiation. It's Christ <laughs> gave his body and because he's a priest, he can bless it and turn it into yeah. the blood of, or the body of Christ. And that's like, yeah. I mean, but also the terror, the AMC show. Yeah. I can, yeah. When you come up into that guy's like big cannibal basement and you see like all the <laughs> skeletons on the tables and stuff. Oh, it's super hokey. And then... I think it was a little rich of Dr. Reed to be like, you're eating people when he's like, he's a vampire. I only drink like. people <laughs> and eat rats. Um, the, so, yep. yeah, that scene. Um, so the successful way to get out of that scene is to turn him into a vampire, right? Because if you kill him, the burrow falls apart. And if you spare him, then the skulls, the crappy vampires that he's hiding under his church like overrun the human people yeah um, no. which is another messed up thing because when you actually talk to the skulls they're like we're we have feelings uh, but the <laughs> yeah they set them up like a yeah. leper colony or yeah. something um but then yeah in order to vampirize him you have to learn that he was abandoned and adopted by a priest and also that he was molested and so it turns into this Jesus scene where like, Reed shouts these things at him like <laughs> in this accusatory way and then like oh. makes him kneel and drink blood from his wrist. <laughs> oh. And it's yeah, it's the one thing in the game that is like even remotely sexual and it's just problematic in a million different kinds of ways. Right. Yeah, that's like, that's a lot. Yeah. It doesn't bear out in terms of the the like weight that it that it gives a lot of those things. These are just like yeah notes that you pick up it's like points yeah which would be interesting for like a detective game and like being like a super callous detective but this game is so interested in like making you feel responsible for these burrows and stuff that's hard to imagine the implication is that he just doesn't care right yeah the only time i felt any real responsibility like on anything but like a trivia kind of level was yeah essentially when that romanian asshole started saying that i was like not a fellow traveler i was not down with the cause and that really upset me so my jonathan reed knew that the work had to be done so that the nhs could be established one day <laughs> he knew uh, uh, okay um... yeah that's vampire isn't it <laughs> yeah, you've gone quiet. Were you back I've been listening. Coffin? No, no, no. I've been listening because I felt like I said a hell of a lot. So I, I, I was just taking a back seat there for a second. Um, 
but I think that we've put more thought into this game than it. No, wants. come on, come on. No, I do. I feel like I feel like. <laughs> I don't feel like this, but I'm going to say. It anyway. I'm going to say it anyway, just so because it, it, it's in. Uh, I'd like this in quotation. Uh, I feel like the makers of this game should be should be damn grateful to have this level of criticism oh, applied to their work. No, that's this isn't. I don't know though. You know, I this game somehow managed to break something in Astrid a little bit. Right? I, I didn't yeah, I think started it... feeling like I was, re- I was writing an Ed article when I was going through. <laughs> I just realized that I had I'd hit that point where it's just like, why? See, I like, was like I'd... looking at my stack of books, and I was like, they should have hired me to like <sighs> consult on this game. And I don't even want to work on games, but I was like, I could have helped you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, yeah. I guess everyone breaks in different ways. <laughs> I guess it's really bad. I wanted to toss that in. Oh what? god, yeah. Math is yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that brutal. Like, have had this whole time. <laughs> I couldn't fit it in my piece anyway. No, so you really loathsome. I spent so much time yeah, doing that stupid thing and cuz the city just looks the same too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah, there's like some variety, but there's like three landmarks. I felt like it really the... wanted to be Dark Souls in a way. Oh, I yeah. Know. Oh, yeah, no, yeah with those it. kind of like mazy map that has this, these parts that loop back, but none yeah. of it. Dark Souls like makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of verticality. There's a lot of landmarks. There's a lot of like filtering you back into where you came. This game yeah. doesn't have that. It's, <laughs> and it's like Dark Souls is like visually distinct, and the spaces yeah. are yeah. smaller too. And yeah. The um, I was gonna say that part of the reason something like this, um, I think more than like a God of War or a Far Cry, is so disappointing to me is that like so few designers are gonna even take the chance to make a game like vaguely like this, which is yeah. like a purportedly like serious minded like uh, immersive sim esque vampire game. That, like, because this version is so boring and dumb, like, no one's going to take the baton and be like, hey, it's like Vampire, except they're just not going to touch. Yeah. Like, the last Vampire game in this vein, I think, was that <laughs> uh, <laughs> that Bloodlines game, right, from, like, yeah. a Source Engine game that was, like, pretty rickety, but actually, I think, a lot more interesting than this is. I like that game a lot more. Yeah. Which it's is sad, because that was, like, 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So maybe in 2030, we're going to get a real banger. Why don't they make one they set it in the 80s, when people like that? And you can go to, like, I'd gothic like clubs. Like there should to... be more video games set in the 80s. <laughs> more entertainment. Point. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, like a, I'd like a vampire game set in... The kind of in like Austria of the 17th century, and it's all in like operas and uh, coaches, and everyone's wearing their finery, and you have to walk the line between doing. You're a member of high society, and you've got yeah. to maintain your social position, whilst at the same time feeding on peasant girls. I think there's probably a Crusader Kings 2 mod for that. I feel. Like. <laughs> No, but that that's interesting because, like, part of what I was expecting from this game was, like, 
um, a lot of vampire fiction, especially like the French Euro trash stuff, like ties vampirism to like bourgeoisie mm-hmm. yeah, and like the way that that functions like in a Marxist sense. And so I was sort of expecting a game like that from vampire, but I mean, that stuff does come up in this. <clears throat> I mean, there are like the elder vampire guys who are like rich and stuff, but I don't know. Are they rich because they're vampires, or...? I think it's both. I mean, this this game... I think it does kind of, like, tie in the idea that... Especially with, like, the William Marshall stuff. That, like, British prosperity and the British aristocracy is due to this, like, vampiric nature. And it's, like, Mm -hmm. literal and metaphorical. I like... That's the kind of stuff that I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of neat. It's not like super novel, but it's, I don't know. Ed, are you a vampire? Um, no, I'm I'm a daywalker, like Blade. Uh, my my mum was bitten by a vampire while she was in labour, uh, uh-huh. so consequently, I have all their strengths, none of their weaknesses. <laughs> um, yeah, your dad's so, Chris Christopherson. My, uh, my, is that he's not his dad, is he? I don't know. It's been a while. No, he's not his dad. He's just his mentor. He's like his dad figure. His dad By figure. the way, the William Marshall is the name of the actor who played Blackula. Uh, wow, it's crossovers everywhere. Nice. I'm reading a book about Henry the Second, and William hey. Marshall is in it. Right. During his normal lifespan, though. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Unfortunately, he's not <clears throat> drinking blood yet. As so, we know happened in real history. <laughs> so, William Marshall as in Earl of Pembroke, and you got William Marshall as in actor from Blackula, and then there's a <laughs> mm-hmm. William Marshall in Vampire. Yeah. Is it the William Marshall? Yeah. The oh. idea in this one is that he's, he's been... He's still alive the whole time. Yeah. Actually, the the vampire, the, the game, leaves open the opportunity that they're all three the same person. Just... Oh, actually, no, they <laughs> kill him at the end. Never mind. Yeah. Wow. Those those guys that don't know, huh? the, the troubadours over at, <laughs> at Don't Know. Well, again. Uh, fucking whatever. If you're already making a game about vampires, yeah. yeah. I don't care. Like, oh no, that's what no, I'm saying. It's good. Like, yeah, drop Knights Templar and all that. Yeah, yeah. That's stuff and when you see, there. and when you see William Marshall at the end, he's like this disgusting, like breathing corpse who's just kept yeah. locked in the basement of a Scottish castle. Right. Um, <laughs> because then they're just like, what do they give him? I forget what he gets to feed on. But like, you talk to him the whole time. He's like got these like, you know, cloudy eyes, and he's like kind of salivating over Doctor Reed's neck the yeah. entire time i like i think that's that's pretty good more of that would have like i i think the the overarching plot of this thing if you condensed it and just sort of restructured the beginning parts of it and made it like a seven and six hour thing yeah could be mm-hmm. kind of cool and like you know gave it a little bit of grime yeah a little bit of grime would go a long way yeah uh let's just leave it then that's just that's the thing we've done yeah um, that's Vampire. Uh, the game that broke me, by the way, Astrid, is not, I don't think, dissimilar to this one, which was um, Hellblade. 
hell but how that didn't that really didn't break so. you no i did like something controversial stance something something was lost in me uh through i i love that was never returned. i love hellblade i know you do I, I was actually thinking in terms of a game that could be, if you wanted to make a vampire thing that kind of had like uh, an aesthetic that was actually like fit, fittingly gross and mm. sort of like nasty, I think something like Hellblade would be, would, be it. would do it. Mm. Whatever. A bunch of charlatans. Anyway, what we're doing next time. I will say oh, Hellblade, Hellblade is nice and short. Yeah, yeah. there is that. Right, sure. And it doesn't have any moral choices, does it? Uh, no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> right, what are we doing next time? Next, oh, it's different, isn't it? Now, do we need to talk about what we're doing next time here, or shall we just put it in writing? Well, yeah, no, explain it. Yeah, see if you can do it in under two minutes. I can definitely do it in under two minutes. Basically, we're working on something at the moment that's going to take up a lot of our time. So, what we're going to do next month on Bullet Points Monthly is a look back a retrospective of some of our best articles, some of the website's best articles from the past two years we're going to have stuff from our freelancers we might drop in one of, one of our own I don't know if that feels a bit gauche though yeah I don't know Yeah, maybe we'll just pick out the best freelancer contributions anyway. let, me, let, me, let me tell you this though if you see one of ours on there it's uh, given the soaring egos all three of us possess it means one of like you know I might be like hey Astrid this is really good yeah, it should be on here. Yeah, we're not going to pick and our own articles. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I was going to send four of mine. And just say <laughs> we're doing these. Yeah. Um, um, so we're doing a best of next month to give us time to to continue working on our secret but exciting project. Uh, in terms of podcast game, are we doing a podcast game? We're not doing yeah. a website, but we are doing a podcast, aren't we? Yeah, we're still doing the podcast stuff, so... Did we decide what we're going to do the podcast on? Well, Astrid and I, because you do not have a suitable personal computer entertainment system, yeah. Astrid and I are going to be uh, talking about Cultist Simulator. Right, yes. That's the, that on the only thing we have on the books. And then, because I was bitten by a vampiric Walt Disney, I will also start playing Kingdom Hearts 2 as well. And so... Here's, here's what I'm going to do. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, I'm going to do this without consulting either Reed or Astrid. If you're, okay, if you're, great. If you're, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a regular... Yeah, this is me just going, it's finished, we're done, we're packing up. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no refunds, no encore. Um, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, since we're, since we've, we're just doing a best of month next month, if there's a game that you'd like us particularly to discuss on the podcast, why don't you tell us on Twitter or on the email or somehow, and maybe we'll consider it. Because if enough people say something like, you know, you should do a podcast on, um, uh, I don't know, uh, I can't think of a video game all of a sudden, like any video <laughs> game. But if enough people say you should do a podcast on that and it's a game that we can easily uh, talk about, then maybe we could do that. Yeah, you know, a bit of right. a bit of audience interactivity. Yeah. So, um, so feel free to send suggestions for next month's podcast because we've actually got it's the summer anyway, and we could maybe fill it with with something that's been requested. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well the, the the month after, I think we're doing something that we all like and that will be interesting. So we're going to come back. 
are we? Rejuvenated. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then also the thing about this, uh, I will say, I didn't know how quite to put it on on Twitter, uh, but if you support the Patreon, um, which obviously you should, (laughs) but um, you feel somewhat slighted or something by not having new stuff, um, A, I'm sorry, (laughs) we're human, and B, the the secret larger project that we're working on uh, and sort of... uh, putting greater effort toward for July is something that will uh, Patreon people will uh, have access to in a way that normies will not. Does that make sense? The way I said that? Yeah. If, if, you, if you're mugged off that you pay for this and we're not doing any of it in July, don't worry because the thing that we're working on, you'll get it before other people. Yes. Yeah. There we are. All right. So anyway, you can go to bulletpoints.com. Uh, no, no, you can't. <laughs> no, it doesn't exist. You can go there. Oh, it's someone's website, I think. It's probably there's like a there's like a right wing fucking hell, I'm just not talk like... show or something yeah. that's also called Bullet Points. That's some, have you yeah, ever googled with that girl from Twitter? <laughs> oh, yeah, that... <laughs> what is that? We've done this before as an experiment. We have googled bulletpoints.com. dot com. Yeah, it's, it's no, it's available. It, it's available to buy for uh, nearly a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, so new Patreon. So, so get onto get yeah. onto Patreon.com forward slash bullet points, and uh, if you like the work we do, please continue to donate some money because in about a million years we might be able to change the name. Uh, between then and now, go to bulletpoints.com to read all of our articles on Vampire, as well as all the articles that we've put together the last two years on games such as Far Cry Five, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, and Prey. And you can also go to uh, bulletpointspodcast.com to listen to uh, other episodes of this show, uh, as well as some of the exciting Bullet Points spin-offs, which include the Bullet Points Industry Minute, your inside pass to the business of fun, and also, what's the one you do about Kingdom Hearts called? I don't want to talk about this anymore. What's it called? Dan, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at D-W-F-R-I-E-S. That's my uh, uh, Astrid, what's what's the Kingdom Hearts podcast you do? And where can I people do. find you? Um, yeah, yours, your show. <laughs> that would be Blood of Friendship 3.14X Repodcast, <laughs> which you can uh, subscribe to our Patreon and listen to the episodes we're uh, putting out. And I'm on Twitter at Hastapira. It's just tweeting that goofy all day long. Yeah, that's uh, a, my Kingdom Hearts fan Twitter. Ed, where can people find you? They can't. I'm neither on Twitter nor Facebook. I am. I live in the shadows, like Doctor Jonathan Reed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you can you can find me uh, on this show. And yeah, that's what I was that's trying to lead really. you toward. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you go to bulletpointsmonthly.com, some of my writings on there, and if you go to Bullet Points Podcast, I am on those episodes. And I mm. would tell you to go and look at some of the work I've done on other websites in the past, but I don't want you to because I regret most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so just, right. to, just ignore uh, all of that. You're really uh, not on Facebook. You're not on Facebook anymore. No. Wow, I'm nowhere. You. I am nowhere. I am, yeah, I'm ethereal. Ghost Man. Yeah. 
Ghost like, Man. Uh, Chris Hemsworth and Black Hat. <laughs> that is the only time since the release of Black Hat I think anyone's referenced Michael Mann's Black Hat in conversation. Uh, I thought people rode for that movie pretty hard. They de- well, so I definitely did. Because it's, it's Michael Mann's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is we're going to take two minutes and I'm. Dan is going to talk about Black Hat. The Black Hat. <laughs> I have never seen it. and don't care too much. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I, I, I got rid of all my stuff. One, because I um, I don't really need Twitter anymore because I only used to use that for sort of hustling freelance work. And then also because mm. uh, your students look you up. And yeah. they really, do, uh, they really yeah. do go digging. So I, I thought rather than sort of bother with privacy settings, I'll just, I'll just bin it all off. So, yeah. Reed, yeah. how about you? Uh, I'm... At Reed McCarter. Also, uh, please listen to. Um, I sometimes guest on on Astrid Bud Gore's hit uh, Kingdom Hearts podcast. <laughs> so that's uh, you should listen to that. It's blood of friendship. Um, that's it. That's all I gotta say. That's I, I think we should we should end this because this is getting a little it's, it's getting a little sweaty. A little long in the tooth.